Hello, and welcome to this annual albatross hanging over my shoulders, the 2017 <laughs> Rebel FM Game Music Spectacular. <laughs> so it's to very, start it on a positive note. We're recording on Christmas Eve because yeah. we like you. Yeah. It's, it's not Christmas we've Eve. We've actually stopped. We've put off seeing our families and our loved ones. <laughs> and we've locked ourselves in Arthur's apartment. It's also a very different start than last year. My hands year. are tied to the table. There's headphones placed <laughs> over my ears. I actually do end up editing and pu- and publishing this shit on Christmas Day almost every year. Well, it's something to do to the to the glares of a semi understanding partner. <laughs> yeah, you knew what you signed up for. Is what I say. <laughs> uh, the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild was a game that came out this year. The music was quite good. Many people's game of the year. Yeah. Although I remember most of the music very passively in the background, you know, but the title screen music is really good. The ending song is really good. Yeah. The music when you're fighting the final boss is like perfect. I'm sorry. Who are you again? I mean, I think I goes. We're already fucking up. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's going to be that kind of year. Joined by Mash Andrenay and James Faulkner. Let's check out a song from Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild.
I I don't think this is the first Zelda with an orchestral score. Is it? No. No, it's definitely not. Like Twilight Princess and Twilight Princess was MIDI. Skyward Sword might not have been. Yeah. But Twilight Princess was definitely like a MIDI soundtrack. A lot of people made a big stinky deal about oh, the really? fact that Twilight <laughs> Princess was not an orchestral score. Um Yeah, I think that it, in that at that point, uh Oh right, was it was still on, on GameCube. The, the, the mini DVDs, yeah. Yeah, they, they don't have much space on them. <laughs> no, they really need <laughs> space Zelda, space on that Breath of the Wild felt like you were watching Legend of Zelda mishmashed into an anime, and then the music you got was like a mix Like of a that. Miyazaki anime, sure. kind of, I think. Um, and I think that a lot of the music sort of goes along with that Miyazaki-esque vibe. It's a really good way to put it, yeah. There's going to be a lot of really good ways to put it this show. <laughs> I've been practicing. <laughs> I have a whole, you have a whole like uh, note, note card full of phrases to apply to everyone. No, they're mm-hmm. all up here. <laughs> uh, but with uh, the record show, he's pointing at his head. Yeah. With, with the beanie on it to keep it warm. But yeah, I, Breath of the Wild uh, had a quite good soundtrack. I, uh, there was very little about that game's presentation that was not absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I would say that if there were themes to people's, twittering at me when we announced uh, that we were doing the music episode and to get their suggestions in two things were like uh, Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey just make that your whole show and you're done I disagree I disagree that was a common sentiment there are games whose music I like quite a bit more than either of those but there is quite a lot to like in Breath of the Wild And speaking of decent comparisons or boiling <laughs> down, well, of, uh, we're, it's in order. So just for clarity, we're going in order of how stuff was released. More or less. Yeah. More or less. I, I, it's a little spotty. Like, I don't totally remember when this game came out. And actually. it was a pretty good comparison. They did a lot of similar things. 
Um, you are talking about what? You have no idea what I'm talking about. I do have an idea what you're talking about. What do you think I'm talking about? Horizon. No. No. Zero Dawn. No. no. No, that's not the next. Thanks for spoiling it. But, <laughs> but they do come out so similar. So no, they did each other. I, no. I guess they did, but we're actually jumping ahead because Zelda is such a good way to open the show with because it's recognizable. Mm. But uh, going back a little bit, I think, although I could be wrong, because 2017 <laughs> was 300 years long. <laughs> yeah, uh, no shit. <laughs> uh, Night in the Woods is a game that came out this year. Um, it is. And despite the fact that none of us played it, because we're terrible indie game consumers, uh, it does have some pretty incredible music.
And so to go back to the the somewhat adept comparisons, it's very much as like Anthony and I were talking about it before the show. It it's very reminiscent of like a certain era of alternative music, like the Saddle Creek era. Yeah. That sort of dominated Ghost into Cursive, Bright Eyes, stuff like that. Uh, now uh, now it's overhead, Death Cab for Cutie, like all of those bands. Uh, it has that kind of vibe to it, except without vocals.
Muzaki? A yeah, bit. a little bit. Just the elevator music, kind of. The 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 tones that they use and stuff. The xylophone. I, um, I, I found it to be, when we listened to that track, I was like, oh, this is very easy. This is like work music. That's what yeah. I think of it. <laughs> um, a lot of people brought it up on Twitter, uh, and David Turner, friend of the show, and Dota friend and Ti friend, uh, mentioned that he there were songs in that game that he mo- he f- he made like a very strong emotional connection with. Oh, nice. Uh, which does not surprise me, given the sort of content of that game and the sort of themes of it. Yeah. And so uh, knowing who made it and the people that really dig it, the the sort of saddle creakiness of the soundtrack really <laughs> makes, makes sense. sense. <laughs> um, well, I mean, like, that's uh, it's one of the reasons why we do this show every year is because music is so important to inspire that connection between you and the media that you are enjoying and that sounds like in this case that was very effective for him yeah and that's actually a decent segue to the next game because occasionally music can set our expectations and cue us up to enjoy to want to enjoy something more than ultimately we did and i have a hard time thinking of a game where that was more the case this year than mass effect andromeda
mixed emotions. I mean, that opening theme, it does it so well because it just starts with like, boom. You know, it's just so those two quintessentially tones. Mass Effect. Yeah, and it's like you're like, oh, I am out in space enjoying the the fruits of the universe. Mm-hmm. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And it's, it's all there. It's all embedded it's in inv- that thing. It's infinite. Yes, exactly. It's the, it's the <laughs> infinite possibility and danger of space. Yes, it's, and all, it's all the right excitement there. of that. And it's yeah. yeah, it's right there in that theme. Yeah, and and I feel like that is in a way exactly what you're getting. Investing in Mass Effect Andromeda, the <laughs> infinite potential and danger of investing yourself in this game, uh, because there is a lot of story stuff that it does really well. There, yeah, there is. Um, a, I mean, like that's one of the things that I love about doing this show too. Is that like it reminds me of the stuff that we talked about throughout the year, and like the stuff that actually came out this year instead of thinking it came out like the year before or whatever. And uh, it reminded me that like there is a ton of shit that I love about Mass Effect Andromeda. I, th- I think that that's a game I'm probably going to go back and play, just like I've gone back and play, played all the other Mass Effects. Um, but I was also like, I also realized that like I was definitely getting a rose-colored, you know, hindsight effect, where I was like, I think my memory of this game is causing me to love it more than I actually did. And your investment <laughs> in the multiplayer, too, I think. Well, my right. investment in the multiplayer, yeah. Um, like, I love the multiplayer. But it's like, bittersweet, not unequivocally. Just, bittersweet, not just because, you know, the game has problems... Uh, but also because that is effectively the end of Mass Effect for yeah. the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's a um, super giant bummer. Which is especially a bummer because so much of that game ended unresolved. Yep. And it ended unresolved in a way that is sort of acceptable in a game that should be part of a trilogy. Yeah. Like the way that the first Mass Effect ended or the way Mass Effect 2 ended. Right. Uh, but it's never going to get that. Right. Like there's absolutely no indication that there will be a sequel addressing Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, I can I can see somebody getting a bee in their bonnet and going back and doing it someday at Bioware or EA, but like I could also see it just going down the Half-Life 3 hole. 
Um, I could also see if they ever go back to Mass Effect, it never touching Andromeda again. Yeah, which would super bum me out because it's such a great concept to like just put it put you in a different galaxy. I mean, interestingly, the way that Mass Effect was left after three, it would be easier for them to go to Andromeda. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure, yes. If they were to go back to Mass Effect and stay in the old universe, I feel like it would have to be pre-human. Like pre-human yeah. involvement with the other groups or something mm-hmm. like that. Like a prequel or something. Yeah. yeah. Which I wouldn't want. At a certain point, then you, you're not really playing humans. Because yeah. <laughs> they're like not a player in the universe. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Speaking of not playing as humans, that's it's a terrible segue. Because the next game segue. that we're talking about is a game that really only James here can talk about. Because I mean, there's like one non-human character. That's true. There is one non-human character. Play the cat. In the <laughs> Anna Masterpiece Persona 5.
What? Do you have any emotions about that? Oh no, I I I I really enjoyed the soundtrack. Like like that game is style. Like like that like more than more than anything, it is. You play that game for the style and the dialogue and everything about it. Um, it's very jazzy, uh, kind of like. Not quite cowboy bebop jazz. No, it's but more it's sort it, of it, lounge it, jazz. It lounge, but more upbeat because um, the the main theme, which is basically the battle theme, right. which you just heard, um, it, it, it's like to get you into. It's kind of a flow. It's like a very like casino vibe, almost. Yeah. It's kind like, of sexy jazz, yeah. as opposed to swinger dancey jazz. Yeah, yeah, it was cool when you played it, and I was like, oh, like not any, not many other game soundtracks even kind of touch jazz you know yeah. just totally avoid it and and this is very much that because it is the theme of these phantom thieves and so it, it, it kind of play very much plays into that with the overall uh theme <laughs> where have you been been searching all along confessing twilight on and on without a clue without a sign I'll grasp it now. The real question to be asked Where have I been? I'm a chef At close masquerade Hiding both face and mind All free for you to draw I'm a chef What else should I be? Please don't take off my
Persona is one of those games that I'm sort of like that exists outside of my consciousness. Like that is not a game that I'm interested yeah. in playing. It's like not it's not a time an investment of time that I'm willing to make. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is something that I just hear about all the time, and there is a sort of universal amount of praise across the spectrum for its aesthetics and for yep. its soundtrack. Yeah, yep. the um, the the second track you just heard. Um, it's kind of it, it plays at different points during the game, but and then that, the nice thing about it is they have the staple of music that they keep on going back to and they can reuse. Mm. Um, it occasionally plays on like rainy days, uh, and it's very much like mute mu- music within the tone of the game you're in. But it's not like scored. To, it's not that a scored moment. It's just it's a hundred game, game is a hundred hours long. They have to have. <laughs> oh, you heard if you're lucky. I mean, when, <laughs> yeah. even when I played Persona Four Golden. <laughs> There were certain loops you got used to hearing in my June. Exactly. Yeah. And, but, but, but then it became a thing where you were looking forward to it almost in a way, or maybe because you were you were going to pop into an area and you knew what you were about to hear. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that second track we heard is one that because I when I was playing Persona, like I just didn't the way that I, my room was set up. I had to like I was playing from bed, so I was just like I would fall asleep to that that song all the time. <laughs> um, just because crazy dreams. No, because like that one was just like it's it's like very quiet and like is it is it used in like town stuff like when you're back in town? Or uh, whatever? It's used in some shops and okay. and and during some moments. I think it's in some menus as well. Yeah, because I mean that that's one thing that I've always appreciated ever since the Final Fantasy games is like give me good town music that makes me feel like I'm in a happy safe place when I go back to town. Yeah, uh, yeah, and there, there's a bunch more music in that game that you you. Like specific people's themes and everything else, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's excellent. Nice. Um, a game with fairly distinctive music that, again, I don't think a lot of us played, or actually more, more of us played than Persona, uh, <laughs> but didn't get a lot of attention this year, uh, is Sticks Shards of Darkness.
And I mean, I like saying the word shards, so it's got <laughs> that going for it. <laughs> well, that that game like is just—it's such a great co-op experience uh, and good single player. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just a surprisingly good stealth game that's like you know in the same vein as like hitman games and stuff like that or assassin's creed when you're doing like the more stealthy missions in the sense that it is about exploring an environment figuring out the best way to get through it without being seen Mm -hmm. using the tricks at your disposal like it is it is this little thing that you from a company you've developed you've probably not really heard of and then you'll probably like for a lot of people i think they're like "Ah, i don't know what this weird goblin game is and they ignored it yeah i feel like this was like one of those games that was like secretly came out and was like super really good well and and that and it has way higher production values than you would expect yes it does you know like you think that it's gonna be you know somewhere between you know like uh, an indie title and maybe you know AAA indie, you know that whatever that term is, um, and uh, it like the story and the voice acting and the art and the level design are also good. And that song that we just heard, which is the the escape from Korangar theme, um, has kind of all of the elements, all of the best elements from the soundtrack in it, which is why that which is why I picked it. Um, and it's like. The game feels the way that that song feels, has that level of production across the whole thing. And the sort of interesting thing to me about the music uh, is that in a lot of ways, just as sticks, the game and the character feel sort of cobbled together from lots and lots of different things and influences. The music (laughs) pulls from so many different kinds of cultural references that go way beyond its sort of its developers sort of regional heritage. Um, in a way that I think that it manages to be fairly Oops. distinctive. I don't know what Matt is playing over. Sorry about that. Well, I was going on YouTube because uh, I was trying to remember who it was, but the people that actually did the soundtrack for uh, Shards of Darkness, they put up a video of the of the entire soundtrack of them performing it. Yeah. So it's called a G, the, the YouTube channel is G4F Records, and uh, it's really cool because you can actually see them you know, playing the instruments in their, you know, sort of small orchestral setups uh, and doing the whole thing. It's a good video. Um, It's a good way to release a soundtrack. Moving on from sort of scrappy, smaller studios lifting above their weight, we have one of the sort of biggest, most expensive AAA titles of the year, uh, which, you know, takes place in a robot dinosaur post-apocalypse Oh, is, I spoiled it earlier. Yeah. You Surprise, bleep, Horizon. You should have bleeped it. Horizon is actually on the list.
Every time I see Horizon and see people talking about how great Horizon is, I remember thinking of all the shit that I got back at the PS4 reveal press conference when it showed that Gorilla was making a new game and I got excited for a second and then I tweeted, please don't be another Killzone game. Right. <laughs> and then it was another Killzone game. People were like, oh, Bias, you're terrible. And I'm like, I just want to see them do something different. And yeah, boy, I, did they. And I boy, got, howdy. I got shit from my friends, too, because they were like, aren't you excited? That game looks crazy. I was like, I am. That is a big wait and see for me, because it was so outside of their wheelhouse that I was like, I have no idea if this is going to be good at all. Open yeah. world games are incredibly easy to fuck up. Yep. And they absolutely did not. Which, yeah, I, I mean, God I don't damn. have an opinion on, on the gameplay because right, I still yeah, haven't played it. Yeah. It's, in, it's sitting on my PS4 right now. Waiting I to played, played, you know, I dig open world games and still I'm tired of open world games. And this one, like, I played the shit out of it because it has strikes exactly the right balance between being an open world game and really story driven. And the uh, one of the cool things that I loved about the music in it was that, like, they really enhanced the diegetic stuff. Diegetic meaning like in world, you know, like if you're in a movie and there is music playing and you can tell that that music is coming from a radio or from a band that's in the scene, that means yeah, it's diegetic. Say, not so many radios and yeah. horizons are <laughs> few bands, but what they though. But what they did have and uh, which song you play first? It already played. You right. already heard it. Right. It doesn't matter. Okay, so... So the song, you know, so like that song that we first heard is, uh, it's the Song of the Sun, which is basically, you know, there's these monks, there's a whole culture in Horizon that they worship the sun. And uh, there are these monks that are chanting and they, they have these services where they worship the sun. And the song is different. Uh, and the one that we just heard was the one from their midday chants. Uh, but they have different ones at night and in the morning because it's like a 24-hour, you know, Every like cycle worship cycle. Sure, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, that kind of stuff is amazing to like have it in there. You, if you walk by it, you may not even realize that, you know, how different it is from, you know, one period of the day to the other. And it's like, it feels like it kind of is in a made-up language and that sort of thing. And that is super good. And the... Uh, the the next one is the same kind of thing where there so there's these bards uh musicians in towns and stuff that you can just walk up to and you see oh there's a group of musicians here i'm gonna stand here and suddenly that music is really good
and that one is Your Hand of Sun and Jewels, and then it's kind of a longer title or whatever. But, you know, I love it when game developers will put that kind of stuff in your game and it, and it's and it's great sort of like the bard music in dragon age inquisition you know like you actually want to kind of sit there and listen to it sort of like one of the only based on on what i've heard of horizon soundtrack which is a decent chunk now i guess yeah. um one of the only sort of criticisms i would level at it is that i feel like the sort of aboriginal elements to it are not necessarily as distinctive as they would have been even a couple of years ago i feel like mm. those sounds have been found by by media a lot and and sort of appropriated for lack of a better term because that's what it is um but uh it's it's really excellently composed and ex and executed really well and well written but it's it's not necessarily as distinctive as some of the sort of other stuff that we've seen like the witcher 3 being an example of a game that had that Mm. sort of very traditionally influenced but distinctive uh, sort of sound uh, to it. But I agree with that. I, I think that in the meantime, a lot of indie games are managing to sort of find their sound and in a way that goes beyond just the sort of basic, oh, we're using 8-bit chiptune music, isn't that neat? <laughs> um, and I think Flinthook is a, an example of a game that both uses 8-bit uh, and finds its own sort of oral identity. A-U-R-A-L. <laughs> I don't know anything about not, it. Not, not the oral it's preferences identity. in other regards, <laughs> food or otherwise. When I think, Anthony, you, you said it earlier that like it doesn't just, it's not just 8-bit dance music. It sounds it sounds like it has a theme. Like, uh, yeah, it's like you when you played Mega Man, you knew yeah, you were on Metal Man it. stage or Wind Man or anybody else, Wood Man, you were like, oh, this is their song. Yeah. The, every song from that sounds like it could be somebody man's song, soundtrack. It's like really <laughs> right. good. It's, I can also, totally see mini bosses doing a version of it in the future. It kind of reminds me of like licensed game 
themes like or or even something that you would see on like a late 80s or early 90s cartoon like rescue rangers or something like yeah. there's like a sort of spirited adventure vibe yeah that's ducktales god damn it <laughs> some saturday morning Disney. there's no mention of hurricanes <laughs> the way they come for your life yeah, it's good it's yeah it's, it it's is very good, good stuff though that game also turns out very good yeah uh and then to sort of swing a little bit back the other direction, we have another sort of representative of the the anime fan club uh, in the game that I think maybe got the most requests from listeners, so. emails, yeah. and tweets by far, which was near Automata.
near a tomato. I was gonna say, is that actually how you automata. pronounce that? I've never known. <laughs> automata? Yeah, I've heard it said both ways it, by it, it five people. I, I've heard near <laughs> near a tomato. Near, it's <laughs> near, <laughs> to, near, it is near a tomato. Uh, yeah. That's like, of, when you like when you peek behind the curtain, it's right. just a giant tomato. Giant tomato. <laughs> I'm near the tomato. That's uh, courtesy of Nick, another Dota friend, yeah. <laughs> uh, who does listen to the podcast, I believe. Um, but so. yeah, explain. Nears listening to it and having some experience with with like anime, uh, it doesn't necessarily sound that different from what I I would expect. No, and in context, this isn't like a, one of those soundtracks that I would necessarily listen to out side of the game because it is well too as, bad because we just did yes <laughs> but for context like the the that game relies heavily on the music because that game is about loss and like sadness and 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 a lot of the tracks just like they reinforce <laughs> they re- reinforce this kind of like mm. just like heavy heavy like sadness
so that the, the second track um, is the the theme park one, where, which is like not as amusing as you might think. Yeah, <laughs> as, as you as you enter the theme park and there's all these robots and they're throwing confetti in the air. That's not a happy song. Like no, that's not no. that's not like a joyous song. It, it right. like it has that upbeat tone. Because those robots are slaves. Yes. Yes. It, yes, they are. Much uh, like us. Um, but it just it's it reinforces that that game so well. Um, kind of just this like desolate land. Like you are. I mean, it's only it's androids and these robots and like as you move through it and there's just these blown out buildings and it's not in a way that's like um grimdark but mm-hmm. it, but in a way that's kind of just like curious and and strange um hmm. and it, it does it does it super well contemplative mm-hmm. yeah 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 it's, it's one of those games that like people keep telling me i will like in spite of you know some of the aesthetic some of the like superficial aesthetics turning me off yeah it's like if you get I'm gonna to get over the what the main characters look like yeah. and what like the characters look like. That game has some really really thing, interesting things that it does. Right on. Uh, speaking of contemplative and deeply intellectual, our next game is the intellectual tour de force: <laughs> Ghost Recon Wildlands. <laughs>
I mean, I'm, it's, a it, 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 it's the one that everyone was called like criticizing for the use of fuckstick. Right. Like, yeah, like the characters use fuckstick <laughs> many times during that game. Yeah. It can often, playing that game, it can often feel like not a lot of thought went into sort of like the way that it's presented. Uh, yeah. Not necessarily that not a lot of work went into it because Jesus, Jesus, it's yeah, clear seriously. that a lot of work went into it. But yeah. uh, No, the, there, there are, there is much to like about that game and much that you can deride sweet, about sweet it. Sweet Spanish but, guitars. Yeah, but yeah, sweet, and, sweet Spanish guitars, yes. Or I guess like Bolivian sort of it's culturally Bolivian, I think. The 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 game is. I don't know if the the music was designed with that specifically in mind. I guess I would hope so. Right? I, I mean, yeah, I would hope so. It, the the comparison that we made that we sort of found is uh, it reminded me of from Dust Till Dawn. There's yeah. the, the band Tito and Tarantula. Right? I would be surprised to find Spanish guitar stylings though in Bolivia, yeah. simply because of colonizing yes. higher, right. but with know. a Bolivian flavor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then got rock guitars. From yep. America, right? Because America, America's coming <laughs> I, I into that, fuck shit. Popular <laughs> electric guitar is quite popular in South America, but it also brings it into more. It just establishes, I think, that guitar establishes the like you're playing in a country with a rich history and culture, and also it's modern. Yeah. Like it's not yeah. the it's not you know a game set in a Western theme. Yeah, right. A hundred years ago, it is. Which today. is what I like about that but, theme, and that's yeah. just the Wildlands theme: is that it starts as something and it ends as something else. Yeah. Right, which, I mean, honestly, the music is, like, the subtlest that game ever is about anything. True. Um, <laughs> but it is it is quite good. And I, and it's, I think it's, the shame is that it's it's actually kind of easy to miss yeah. that there's a lot of good music in that game. Partly because there's horrific radio DJs everywhere. That's blaring right. Blaring over, like, everything. That's right. Um, Forgot about that. I have to deliver the crucial plot information somehow <laughs> I guess. it's not even plot no it's like like ambient backstory about uh, the cartel sure, yeah. it's yeah. like flavor text that tastes terrible <laughs> uh but yeah the, the music is actually quite quite good uh yeah. so it's kind of a shame that more, i think more people didn't get to hear it including me even though i played entirely too much of that game <laughs> um Another game that came out, however, whose music feels much more deeply rooted in who it is and in, in what it is and sort of the experience that you are going to have and the experience it's, it wants you to have is Prey.
Um, and praise music is a little all over the place only because that game emotionally starts in one place and quickly goes somewhere else. Yeah, this yeah. opening track, you're like, yeah. yeah. It's um, like hopeful cool. future tech. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like you're like flying into an infomercial for a future corporation. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That is perfect. Yes, that is exactly what it is. Uh, and that is quickly subverted in ways that I don't really want to spoil because even though the statute of limitations may be up, I would like more people to play Prey. Uh, I still music, have not played it. I am embarrassed to say. Uh, the music is just one reason. Uh, and I don't know if it will be this game or another later in our list, but this is on the list for, it's on the nomination list for our inaugural Mick Gordon soundtrack <laughs> of the year award. Which Doom won last year. Uh, which Doom won last year, yeah. Well, right. yeah, and, and there was another Mick Gordon on it the year before with Killer Instinct, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like, we've done Mick Gordon multiple times. Right, uh, we're getting some favorites. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's he's definitely demonstrated his uh, his ability to do very good dynamic music with a lot of tension. Well, and Prey is also very different than Doom. Yeah, very. <laughs> it is very different, and I think that the the music lends itself more to ambience, especially if you listen to the soundtrack, which is on Spotify. Um, but uh, so not only is there a lot of that sort of very interesting ambient music in a arcane, a growing sort of arcane tradition, there is a song in the game written, co-written by the head of Arcane Austin, Raphael Colantonio. So, so fast, the sailing ships, the outer rim, the innocence, the lovely air, the wind it breathes to come. Oh. 
So that song was requested by a few people, including longtime listener that interacts with us on Twitter occasionally, Ali Weir. So hello, Ali. And that, that was um, the crazy thing is you told me that the vocals are different depending on what you play. It. Yeah. So there, that is, that's, it's non-diegetic is in the game world. Yeah. Right. Uh, di- diegetic is in the game. World. So it's, it's diegetic and that yeah. you go into the world and play that song. Right. Um, and it is your character singing it. Uh, and as you may or may not know, in Prey, you pick between a male or female Morgan you. Mm-hmm. And uh, the version that we played is the female version. But there is a male version of that song as well, depending on who you pick to, to play so through the cool. game. And you, we just don't get very many songs with lyrics in video games. Yeah. It's Which is rare. often for, for the best. Sure. I agree. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's it's different. Um which actually sort of segues us well into the next game, which is a game with music that does have lyrics, if you get the original soundtrack, <laughs> but lyrics that we are not featuring, which is Next Machina.
and it's one of the their two sort of arcade shooters that came out this year, which were sort of criminally underlooked or overlooked, um, because they were both. Well, I don't. I don't actually know about Matterfall. Matterfall looked pretty generic, but Next Machina was quite good. <laughs> mm. And one of the reasons it was good is because it had like this very fast, traditionally interesting arcade gameplay with music that really, really suited it hmm. uh, in a way that I don't know that I've seen in a game like this since like Geometry Wars. Right. Um, and it really, really works. Yeah. Well, again, you know, it's that that whole melding of the aural and visual experience that is pretty uncommon for a lot of games or you know you can appreciate a game's background music you can appreciate its soundtrack but not feel like it's actually enhancing the gameplay itself yeah i just feel like in this case it it feels almost as complimentary to the experience of, of next machina as say the soundtrack soundtrack to tron legacy felt oh, to nice. the visuals of it right right
I, I'm sure that the next game, Housemark is sort of known for mm-hmm. excellent music in their games, and I'm sure that whatever their next game is will have music that is probably on par with what Next Machina is doing, which is great. I just love that more and more developers are actually thinking about that from the beginning. You know, yeah, yeah. like how how is the music in our game going to mesh with everything else? Um, and uh, our next game on the list, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to because Anthony keeps looking at his phone, which is. <laughs> Outcast Second Contact.
Yes, Outcast. Very good game. <laughs> don't, give, don't give me shit for looking at my phone. No. You're on it every 25 seconds. It was a joke. But Outcast. So it's weird that it's on here because it's a game that came out in 1999. But yeah. The re-release, the the Crytek re- Cry Engine re-release, not Crytek. <laughs> that would be real strange for them to be working on that. <laughs> happened in 2017, and that music, like, okay, so there are many things about that game that are tough. There are jokes that now fall flat because they're from 1999 and nowadays seem a little fucked up. There are. <laughs> Uh, the voice uh, the voiceover is rough because it's the recorded voiceover from 1999 and a lot of it feels mastered from 1999 and yeah. like compressed and stuff like that. Yeah. The gameplay though is still fun. Like I just played through the entire thing again after thinking I wasn't going to. It's still like, like I would tell you if anyone, if, if everything I've ever said about the game has interested you, it's still very good. But the music in that game continues to be like great. Like that was 1999. That was a time when uh you know, some of the better music I think we had was games like StarCraft, and there were some other games that had really good music, but a lot of it, in my experience at the time, I had not played that many games by 19 that was actually, like, performed by a symphony. Oh, and, sure. And, Which is really fucking uncommon. And a yeah. choir. Like, oh, you know, yeah. Like and so this is done by the, I think it was the Moscow National Symphony and Choir. Wow. And it's like, have these beautiful voice parts and these beautiful strings and all these crazy instruments that really got across the fact that that really sold I don't. I think if that game had had a different soundtrack it would not be something I would go back to as weird as that is to say maybe because the gameplay and stuff but the music more than anything repeatedly makes you feel like you are in an alien world and, mm. and that wonder of like look around you everywhere you see you can go and it's this really you are part of this weird special thing and my fiance would walk in regularly while i was playing it and be like is this star wars she would ask me that all the time because (laughs) it sounds like something john williams would have written which is a pretty high piece of praise yeah definitely yeah john williams is one of the ones where even if you're ripping him off if you're doing it well people are still impressed (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's just just a really still one of the 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 best part of that game uh, so then, what would I just a real quick question? What was the first? Because you were talking about this earlier. What was the first game soundtrack that you can remember just like listening to on repeat? Was it Outcast? No, no, no. It was definitely Sam and Max hit the road. Ah, so that was the very first game soundtrack I ever listened to. Because again, the installation CD was a CD that could go in a CD player. And since I was a child, with like the only other CD I think I had was Green Day. I was like, I'll listen to this <laughs> weird soundtrack. So I'll listen to this over and over again. Right on. I'm, I'm a weirdo kid. Um, there's there's the Sega CD game. Probably Halo. Probably Halo. That makes sense. Halo yeah. was a was a really big game soundtrack for a lot I of people. It. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That, that's like the the era of like when I really started playing games as well. So that was just like yeah. I don't know, see, like like a lot of the intros to the like of like the pelican flying i can like see mm. and hear in my head <laughs> yeah like like if i add a, how yeah. did you listen to it uh was it that you listened i, I, I literally went out and found a cd oh wow yeah. wow <laughs> that, that and the the uh, halo 2 soundtrack because i had like breaking benjamin and like uh uh steve vi did a ton of shit yeah uh, I think Incubus were on it. Yeah, there was a, a weird sound. It, it was a weird soundtrack. Also, wow. good but weird. Yeah, yeah and like uh, the with the Master Chief Collection and the Halo Two Anniversary Edition uh, documentary that came out, it actually was finally revealed. John Mayer played a shitload of guitar on that soundtrack, uncredited. Oh, wow. Whoa! Really? Yes, because weird. he wanted to be on it so bad 
Okay, label, but he didn't want his label to know because they might say no. So he just went and played sessions on it. Well, <laughs> just really hung out with Marty O'Donnell and, was like, I'll just and play. Steve Vai. Yeah. Yeah. Niles, Niles Rogers was the dude right. who, who supervised the soundtrack, which is like a huge, hugely important music industry dude. Yeah. Um, That's so crazy. I didn't know all that. Yeah. The, it, the documentary on that is actually really good. Yeah. Um, I it's mean, probably it, out there somewhere or it's on like the Waypoint. Not, yeah, not the it's, website. It's, I'm, the, the, the I'm app, pretty sure app, it's on yeah. it's on Halo Waypoint. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, wow, the first crazy. game soundtrack that I remember listening to, like sort of obsessively, is actually a Sega CD game. Really? Called Wolf Child. Um, which was Wolf like Child. never even heard of it. It was it was just like a side scrolling game where you turn into a werewolf, and it huh. had like a really really good uh, had a really good soundtrack. I wonder if Pizza is here, and that's why Anthony is squeezing his way out. Um, I think it was like a LucasArts game. Oh, wow. Um, but that like was side-scrolling like, LucasArts game? Yeah, or like it, it might have been Sony Imageworks or something. Right. But it was like just an era where the CD games were like, oh my god, the CD games have such better music. Yes. Well, um, that happened to me really, really early on with the uh, first game soundtracks I listened to were Descent 1 and 2. Yeah. And I remember becoming like super obsessed with the idea of Quake. Oh, like Quake yeah. soundtrack oh, yeah. because like holy shit Trent Reznor did a soundtrack to yep. a fucking video game right yeah exactly and uh, and it was the same kind of thing where with the Descent soundtracks because there was like a skinny puppy song on one of those yeah. soundtracks where it's exactly. just like the kind of stuff that just didn't happen very often yeah that was like an era where like electronic musicians like especially industrial people were doing a lot of games yeah stuff because like 95 90, 95 through 98 yeah. kind of yeah crazy era anyway uh, another game that came out this year from another developer that has this sort of history of not just good music in their games, but very distinctive music in this games is from Supergiant, which is Pyre. All are not the same, but three shall be as one. Freedom in flame, the end has just begun. Shall come to bear 
signs The exiles shall be there Strength may break along But twisted may God reign Together on their own The journey shall be actually play pyre because it didn't i no. it never it like the concept of it never clicked with me yeah so the the concept of music in that game is like kind of important um mainly because uh not many people can't read or like right. it, or it's like a it's from my understanding it's like you it's against a lot of readers it's a society of oral tradition right and ah. so passing down story through song is, is an easy way to do that oh cool um which is why a lot of a lot of the tracks in, in on the uh, OST have lyrics and right. um, are a little maybe a little bit more on the nose with with there, but that's like it's supposed to be telling a story right. very literally. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> it's not it's not like music is pure entertainment where you can be poetic and not really care if somebody gets it. We're actually trying to relay information. Yeah, here. it's music as historical record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, some parts of the other parts of the soundtrack are more traditional stuff but that's along the lines of there's like battle music because whenever you're in the matches um it 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 has like a high intensity to it Mm. uh even though the matches are actually kind of slow um uh it's interesting because it's the music is distinctive like it feels particular to pyre but it is not it is of a piece with super giants other stuff yeah it is not yeah it's not apart from you can hear bastion and transistor in it even though those are vastly different games mm-hmm. um uh yeah i i, I really enjoyed it because it, it, the kind of um i'm not gonna call it country because it's not but it's like mm-hmm. the but the more like Folk, folksy folk, folksy like bard like quality to it but also the high some of the high intensity stuff uh and the uh the recommendations for music that we picked for the show uh were courtesy of listener michael cardena so thank you michael um and what what would a Rebel FM music spectacular be without the annual uh, Austin Wintry of the Year award? <laughs> which goes to which goes year. to Absolver. Yep.
That's right. You give me a second. Yeah. <laughs> a second. God damn it. Uh, yeah, I... Absolver is a game that had like a ton of hype last year and then kind of went quiet this year. When it came out, there was some buzz, but not nearly as much as it seemed like there would be. Maybe because this was the year from hell and everything was awful. <laughs> yeah. But, also, but, but the then, year was very front-loaded with some really amazing games. Yes, and, right. And, and I also think that game in particular uh, was set on the expectations of a lot of things. And then when, when people learned what the systems are, the thing that scared off a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but the, but it, because those systems are the way they are, like my little brother mm-hmm. loves that game. Yeah. And at least, you know, by conversations with him, it sounds like there is an extremely dedicated and very, very, uh, very involved community around that game. Yeah. And and so we were talking about it before the show. It, it kind of has um, Oriental which, influences. Like, oriental, <laughs> with all the baggage that that entails. Yeah, correct, right. Like, Oriental is the sort of catch-all, kind of reductive description of various Asian cultures. Like, that sort of right. well, shared line. Like, but, tonally, there are, certain, there are certain chords and chord progressions and stuff that will be used in countries like China and stuff like that that are very distinct. Like, you know, that's why when you hear a song in it, like if you've ever been to a Chinese restaurant and they're playing Chinese music, you can, there's just certain tones and instrumentation even that they use that sound very distinct. Yeah, it's just, a, it's a term that that's seen as sort of racializing and reductive. And, and I think in a lot of ways, like the ways that Absolver borrows from those things yeah, can feel that. That way a little bit. Yeah, because it's not it's not distinct in one manner. It's more that because this world feels like there's parts of I like Egyptian uh like architecture and like Nordic like weapon weapon weaponry. So it's like it's this mix of all these like mm-hmm. different cultures that end up with this more um like siding with with, with the overall um oriental theme. But like yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't spend that much time with it, but I, I think it, it, it was still distinctive in, in parts. And very Austin wintery. Yeah. I mean, he's very it, good at capturing the tone of what he wants, just like the, the you know, the his other games, like Banner Saga is not a game set in Scandinavia, but it might as well be. And so the music and tones he hits mm-hmm. hit, hit and feel like they're from that region. Right. And so this game, since it has hints of like sprinkles of that culture throughout right. it, very, very lightly. <clears throat> It lightly hits on those things. And things. more flute than you've seen since the last Jethro Toll record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, sort of moving moving on sort of out of the indie sort of space, which I think the last two games qualify for, uh, we got a new Uncharted game we this did, year. And it was really good. But its music is not the same as the the sort of uncharted right, games you don't that have, have come the before Drake themes right <laughs> right and i think that that was like a good way for naughty dog and their composer to go in a different direction
Um, and I feel like the Lost Legacy, Uncharted's previously have like to sort of go back to Absolver in a, in a way a little bit like their music has felt appropriative of an exoticness, sure, mm-hmm. uh, in all of their games. That's been like the sort of generic, like Lost World exoticness, right. and and I think that the Lost Legacy actually feels very specific to India. Uh, in a lot of ways, like not just in its titling, but just in the sort of like flavors that that are interspersed into its compositions. And the uh, the interesting thing about the Lost Legacy soundtrack is that I didn't really like. I remember it's one of those games where I'm like, I remember liking the music in that game, but it wasn't until you put it on the list that I was like, oh, oh yeah, it's actually really good music. It's not just like good game music; it actually is standout. It sort of suffers from a little bit of the same that that the Lost Legacy suffers from, which is Uncharted. I think is a series that is kind of burned itself out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like Uncharted Four was like the culmination; people were excited for it, but then they were done. Right. And so to have another Uncharted game, even though it is in in a lot of ways a very different take on what Uncharted could be, especially with yeah. the open space that dominates about a third of it. Right. Um, and the relationship between the characters is it's it feels like it, it feels like it's a rehash a little bit of some of the uncharted stuff but it ends up in a in a really great spot yeah and, and so i think that 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 sort of does a disservice to what the lost legacy is which is something that feels a, f- a fair bit 
different this, this and evolutionary. This is the syndicate of Assassin's Creed, of Uncharted, and then now we'll get the origins that will actually... I mean, I, in a way, maybe, but I hope not. I hope that they let Uncharted lie for a little bit, but but who knows? I would definitely play another Chloe game. Well, yeah, well, Maybe they don't have to call it Uncharted. Maybe it can be something else. Yeah. Charted. Charted. <laughs> Thoroughly charted. <laughs> uh, Been there, done that. <clears throat> Speaking of, of games that that are thoroughly charted, I don't know. There's another good segue <laughs> to this. But uh, speaking of challenges, yeah. uh, Destiny 2 is a game where it had to follow in the footsteps of a title with one of the most famous and well-regarded composers that's ever worked in video games right. without him. And it was actually remarkably successful. Yeah, almost to the point that Matt and I think both Mm -hmm. agree that we think that music in Destiny 2 is better than the music in Destiny 1.
I would absolutely agree with that assessment. Which is which is really interesting because uh, as someone who wasn't like a huge Destiny One fan, I was very enamored of the music. Yes, it did. It was a little bit like what we talked about with Mass Effect that the the Marty O'Donnell score at the beginning. There's just like this sweeping, swelling sense of possibility mm-hmm. and just epicness. Mm-hmm. Just even at the title screen of Destiny, right. and and you know that's the the titles the Destiny One music was amazing, but I think the advantage that they have with destiny 2 is a lot more of like oh we know what this game is now we know what these worlds are now we know the flavor we really know the flavors that we're going for you you have destiny 1 to draw on Yeah, the, the also like it plays in kind of two worlds because um, 
there is like almost two sets of music mm-hmm. um one being some of the world themes and then specifically some of the music that's only in the uh in the actual campaign itself um right and i think one of the most powerful ones which was uh, the guardian sacrifice which comes on very early in the game um you after you've lost your light um and you're making your way through this mountain range and it like it hits you like it hit me hard because like it like you this you've spent destiny one if you spend time with this character that you you felt all powerful and it's just like great mm-hmm. you're kind of screwed right now and it, i think it hits on that really well I just, I, I mean, I'm not, once again, I'm sort of of many minds with Destiny 2, but I sure. do think that, that, especially like going back and listening to some of the music today as I was putting together our spreadsheet, because <laughs> we do use a spreadsheet, um, <clears throat> I was taken aback by by how strong and sort of evocative some of the music was in a way that, that even like the environments aren't always in that game. And it's a game of strong environments. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, because it, it's like persona which we're talking about earlier this is some music that you're going to be hearing for hours and hours yes, and, and over hours and over again yeah and and much that, more than 100 honestly if you're like a yes. dedicated destiny player yeah, yeah. Okay. i think matt, between matt and i both probably have more than 100 <laughs> each right yeah um and so the fact that you can come back to it and like even listening to it today like choosing the tracks i actually enjoyed it like yeah. it wasn't like a like ah. Uh, yeah. And uh, specifically, I think you chose uh, Nessus. Yes, I chose the Nessus theme. And that theme, you know, it re- it's reflective of also one of my favorite planets in the game, which is Nessus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which is uh, it's a, a mostly converted uh, planetoid by the Vex. And it's it's very, very pretty. And the thing that I like about that, about the Nessus theme, is that, uh, you know, it has all of the sweeping epicness of Destiny, but it brings in, like, really strong electronic elements that I've that have actually that are actually uh, divisive amongst my fellow Destiny friends. Like, there's some people, oh, man, I hate the me- the music on Destiny. It doesn't sound like Destiny at all. And for me, I'm like, this sounds like... Exactly it's an odd like- Destiny game. You don't know what the fuck <laughs> Destiny sounds like. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, the music on, the music on Nessus sounds like... It sounds, sounds like the like, planet. It sounds like the planet, you know, just like all the others do, you know. Uh, and that one, that one track though, is particularly strong for me. Like which is I actually you, look forward to going to Nessus uh, in a large part because I like listening to the music. Which is what you want in a game like that, because this yeah. is not like anything that Destiny has done previously. Because in in many in most regards, the planets in Destiny are like zones in an MMO. 
Yes. And those need distinctive music to sort of stand out and establish their identity. Like, I can still hear the World of Warcraft Barons theme in my head. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Can you hear it now in your head? No. You do refuse. (laughs) I just don't, I don't remember. I didn't play Horde. (laughs) Can you you hear this? I hear, like, an epithet behind that statement. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So so on a completely different note, uh, a game that kind of came out of, not nowhere, but was a little bit of a surprise this year that was announced at E3, was announced with music that a lot of people recognized, including me, uh, that I was really excited for, which was Life is Strange Before the Storm. Why do you recognize that song? So the the music in the Life is Strange Before the Storm trailer, which I believe is also in the game, uh, is from a band named Daughter uh, from an album they released at the very beginning of 2016 
which is one of my favorite albums of last year. Uh, hmm. We're recording this in 2017, so last year is still 2016. <laughs> right. Um, I really loved that daughter album. Really, really loved that daughter album. Mm-hmm. It like hit. It checked a lot of boxes for me. Uh, and so to, it, it has like this very distinct sort of emotional subtext. It's behind you, to your right. It's, that's not good radio. Yeah. Well, Matt dropped the lid to his wah wah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, uh, Daughter is this very emotionally evocative music. It's like sort of somewhere between shoegazy rock and My Bloody Valentine and like Fleetwood Mac. (laughs) And it's sort of like swelling emotion um, and sort of singular delivery. And to hear that in a video game trailer was not something I ever expected. Yeah. But for Life is Strange, it's perfect. (laughs) It so fits. It is like a game about... (laughs) teenaged women growing and have with relationships with one another and like trauma and violence and a lot of other things and that's something that that kind of music speaks to in a way that marty o'donnell would not <laughs> right <laughs> i can imagine what marty o'donnell's life is strange soundtrack would be but it would not be this right uh and and yeah so i just think that it's it's a really interesting cool decision to the point where they got daughter to essentially record an album for this game like it came out when the game the first episode of the game came out it's a 45 minute album you can get it on spotify and man that's so great and i don't think it's honestly as good as their previous album but it Mm. is quite good Um, well probably had certain restrictions placed on it you know that had to fit some areas and that kind of stuff i assume like they were on a pretty hard production deadline as well that probably but uh But yeah, it's it was just it was a, one of the few like real surprises music wise yeah. this year. Well, I just I super love the idea of a game developer going out there and finding the band that fits their game and saying, "Hey, do the music for our game." It's like, man, this is perfect for our trailer. What if we just had them record the music? <laughs> right? Why don't we we have them record the music? <laughs> exactly. Uh, it just seems like one of those sort of serendipitous things that just right. came together, like Trent Reznor and Quake. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, except with teenage girls <laughs> right i guess <laughs> hopefully those two things don't overlap uh, m- moving to something very different uh a game that came out this year that james and i both played and neither is particularly liked was ruiner mm. but a game that w- i think we both agreed had really fantastic music was ruiner
just seeps in in that style of it, it just really like, does it's just mm. like everything is covered in that and i think that it would be <laughs> like the the comparisons between that game and hotline miami are too easy to make for a million reasons mm. but but this does le- lean into it's more like cyberpunk aesthetic and like like future tones than and, uh, than like the synth 80s of hotline miami oh, and sure. like dirty trip hop influences right. Right. like sneaker pimps and shit like that from mm. like the late 90s uh, I still have a sneaker pimps album. Yeah, because Becoming X is a fucking great album. Yep. <laughs> uh, but it, it's just, it is just different enough from the kinds of like electronics driven twin stick shooters that we're accustomed to, including like Next Machina doesn't necessarily yeah. break away from that that much. But it is, it is very good in a way that elevates that game in a way that playing it really didn't for me. Hmm. Yeah, that's a game I can just I can finish the, I can finish the soundtrack, but I didn't, I'm not going to finish the game probably. <laughs> well, it takes less time yeah. to finish the soundtrack. Well, well no, it's, it's interesting because like when you guys played that track for you know we do a little review before we do the show, and like when you guys played that track for me earlier, I was like, oh man, this sounds great, and it kind of made me want to play the game until you mm-hmm. were talking about the game. <laughs>
Um, and now for something completely different. <laughs> well, Cuphead and his Pelmug man, they like to roll the dice. By chance they came upon Devil's Game, and gosh, they paid the price. Paid the price. And now they're fighting for their lives on a mission fraught with dread. And if they proceed but don't succeed, well, the devil will take their heads. Cuphead is a game that came out this year. <laughs> it is. That is a game. Um, that is, I have never heard music like that in a game. No. Ever. And you're unlikely to hear it again um, anytime soon. Except I, for maybe a Cuphead 2. Right. Which will take 17 years. <laughs> because this one took about that long. Uh, Cuphead is is a game with such a unifying aesthetic that visually that was known for so long that I don't know that anyone really thought that it needed more. Right. Uh, but somehow they found the perfect sound to go with it. Yeah. And I really wish that I could be on the meetings that they had with Microsoft where they were asking for more, more money and got it. <laughs> where they're like, yeah, we want to record a special soundtrack for this game. And they're like, all right, what do you have in mind? Barbershop Quartet. <laughs>
right. Barbershop <laughs> Quartet. Um, and well, yeah, just, there's game. There's been you know games that like talk that like sort of address that aesthetic. You know, like maybe with uh, uh, you know like songs that are in the public domain in say Bioshock or in Fallout sure. or whatever, where it's like they're of an era. But not original music produced yeah. for something of that era. Like Bioshock Infinite's like barbershop quartet stuff was really cool. Right. But it was like a very clearly like leveraging pop music. Right. Like barbershop quartet pop music covers. <laughs> do, you th- do you think it's like of the era of um, early like early Disney and the uh, pre Disney, I think. Yeah, it's it's the it's the vaudeville era right. of like early animation. Well, I, guess, I, guess, I guess I mean that Disney is like the end of the vaudeville era. Yeah. Right, the, right. Right where it's like that I think that's where this kind of meets.
Yeah, um, I think that's true. And, you know, it used to be... It, it wasn't just organs and pianos that they would have in movie theaters. They would have barbershop quartets yeah. sometimes. And so. it's just, it's like that that kind of music became a vocabulary for cartoons in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it had evolved to a point where it had dropped a lot of qualities that are present in the music in Cuphead. Like there's like mm. a dirtiness and a sexiness and a danger and a creepiness to it. Right. Because animation used to be for adults. Yeah. And, and or large part for adults before like, Disney. That's clearly a part of Cuphead's visual design. But for them to... to to maintain that sort of that aesthetic choice in the in the music really really works in a way that I did not expect. Yeah. Um, and just the narrated sort of <laughs> beginning of the game is, right. is really great. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was a real surprise. Um, and uh, another game where music sort of works in a filmic way for its aesthetic is a game that I think that you've talked about on the podcast and that I talked about this last week right. uh, is Echo. Echo is like a weird sci indie sci-fi movie that like Duncan Jones would have made or something like Duncan Jones and Alex Garland were locked themselves in a cabin for a week right and, and like, came up with like a two-person play right <laughs> and Echo is what that is and it has the sort of music to match it yeah. um but it is very ambient and often very pristine and and sterile until it's not right um, and even then it's like a sterile sort of danger to it. 
that is that is extremely effective. And the the good thing about the way that it's, well, it's like you just said, it's built like the game is built. Yeah, which is a minimalist pushed beyond practicality into style, I think. Mm. Um, That's a very good way to put it. Shout back. Yeah, I've been kind of on a roll today with this, I guess. (laughs) The year's almost over. I have to find a smart thing to say once or twice to up my average. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Not me. Not me. And also, Anthony, (laughs) to go back to the episode that we recorded a couple of days ago, they do learn to shoot. I think it was me. Oh, was it you? Yeah, it was me. I was like, I think they learned to shoot. Like, the question is, like, since the, the echoes imitate your behavior, but I'd never seen them shoot, the question was, do will they shoot? And... They definitely will, and they they are much more trigger happy than you are. <laughs> they don't care about the energy they expend because there's so many of them. Uh, but yeah, Echo is is quite good, uh, and hopefully Ultra Ultra gets around to releasing a soundtrack for that game because right now they have not, and it's mm-hmm. really hard to find the music for that game. Um, but uh, moving on to the second nominee for our Mick Gordon soundtrack of the year <laughs> is Wolfenstein Two: The New Colossus.
So I did not play that game. Is this what modern Nazis sound like? This is what killing modern Nazis <laughs> sound like, sounds like. I mean, it's not mod. It's not mod. It's in the sixties, right? But I modern era. It does feel like it's it's carrying on what the new what the new order did. The new mm. order's music was also generally pretty good. Yeah, uh, and I think it might have also been McCordon that did that. But uh, I think my only complaint, and, and we talked about it a little bit, and I don't, and I don't think everyone here agrees with me, is that sometimes the music can feel like it gets a little too close to the sort of like loud noise that Doom did, and it doesn't feel quite as consistent. Yeah, I, I felt this was a little bit more musical, like clean, and yeah, like like symphon- or not symphonic, but uh, there, there there was a pacing to it that like Doom just seems frenetic and like right. and crunchy mm-hmm. um whereas this felt a little bit cleaner um overall in terms of the production sure um and i and i think that there's like more of an urge for emotion yeah. like those sort of lulls where there's like an opportunity for introspection which is not something that you want in a doing <laughs> game yeah. and not something that, that soundtrack ever does like no. it's ambient and creepy but it's never introspective <laughs> uh but yeah, Wolfenstein actually finds that, uh, and it just makes me wish that I liked the gunplay in that game a little more than I do, because you know the music is actually quite effective for it.
But yeah, Nick Gordon is rapidly becoming like one of my favorite composers in video games. Yeah, uh, he's just doing surprising. a lot of different stuff and a lot of and just kind of nailing it every time. Yeah, and seems to be very comfortable with dynamic audio and sort of mm-hmm. audio that builds and changes over time. Uh, it's in a, a very way that, specific skill to the game industry, that's for sure. Yeah, and it it sort of relinquishes definitive authorship. Yeah. Like in like your yeah. instinct is the, is the example where it was really hard to find like mm-hmm. the one version of a song because yeah. every time you heard it in the game was different. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, definitely. Well, that even started, you know, like call back again to Halo, you know, that started in Halo as well. Sure. Where except for the main theme, a lot of the music you couldn't really get unless you like got it while you were playing the game. Yeah, it's it's almost like yeah, going back to like John Williams for a second, it's like occasionally when you hear like Star Wars soundtracks, that's not the exact version you saw in the movie. Sometimes, yeah. like sometimes, a lot of times it is because right. that's the way John Williams scores. But it like it changes because they're matching a specific scene, right? right? And even for some games that like everybody just have been gaga over the soundtrack ever since it came out, like Res. Res has never released a version of the soundtrack that sounds like it does in the game. Partially because, in some ways, that's impossible because, like, the music you goes make along. the soundtrack. In you the game. make you make you you make some of the soundtrack in the game, but uh, no, you make all the soundtrack <laughs> in the game, Matt. <laughs> but there's like actually songs w- that are on the soundtrack that are actually just totally different remixes from the ones that are in the game. Hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, I don't the know fear, the fear of the mind. Fear is the mind yeah, killer. Yeah, is like a perfect killer. example of that. Yep, <laughs> like, yep, exactly. And so it's really strange how. You know, stuff like that can happen. And then, like, turns out, I, I think uh, what I heard about Fear of the Mind Killer specifically is that, like, there were licenses for certain samples that couldn't be reproduced on an album and then sold separately as an album. Oh, because they only they, specific licenses. They only, they only exist game. in the game. So, huh. stuff like that can happen a lot, too, that I think we just don't see the underpinnings of. And it's like, how do I find this music? Well, you can't unless you play the game. Right. Well... I don't know that that's necessarily this game's problem, but it is probably not. It it is interesting because you brought up Halo as an example of a game that used dynamic music that sort Mm -hmm. of changed over time. But I do feel like that went away for a long time Uh, in like stuff like Skyrim. The music is just the music. And sometimes it it like cues up different music for combat, but then Mm -hmm. it just fades it out and cues up the environment music. Right. Or like, or like there's a lot of games where, uh, the battle music comes in and it, it'll be dynamic in that it'll wait till the end of a phrase and then end with like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. and you always have that end, that the you know, stinger. That, yeah, that end stinger. And then it switches back into other music. But it's it's actually pretty rare where a game really blends things so much that you hardly even notice it. Yeah, the, I think we talked about this. It's pretty much hard unless they know you're going to be on rails and you're going to take a very set amount of time through a very specific area. Yeah. It's true. Um, so going in a completely different direction. Yet again. again. <laughs> like maybe the most abrupt change in direction we've had all night <laughs> or ever. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey is a game that came out this year that had some pretty jaunty tunes.
that good. <laughs> like it's it's, um, it's the Mario soundtrack. It is. It's but it's very good. I, it I didn't. I didn't know. Uh, I I don't know if you guys know, but uh, that was from a Mario game. It is very distinctively Mario. It's not. I mean, it still feels modern though. It hits upon some of like the modern, like when the when you hear it the first time, you're like seeing a dinosaur and you're like it looks like all real and you're like this is weird and then that tone hits and you're like this is also weird to hear these tones coming up Mario game. <laughs> it's, it's all weird <laughs> because it is modern and it feels very Mario but it's not also hyper derivative of past Mario games like no. not at all and that's something that it shares with Breath of the Wild in a lot of ways that neither leans on nostalgia for their audio cues they, or mm. very very rarely do they like there there are small there's small moments but it's not like heavy which are i feel like those are presented very explicitly as haha yes this is from an old thing yeah Remember i just feel like yeah thing? like like someone like my fiance knows enough about mario games that she can hum the world one music and the world two music of mario no problem mm-hmm. but if i were to play mario this for her and ask her what game it's from, I don't think she would... You know, there's nothing in the whole soundtrack that would be like, that was the Mario thing, until maybe uh, she heard the 8-bit versions. Right. Then that might change her tone. That is one of the really interesting things about this game is that for every like world main theme, there is an eight bit version, yeah. which is a gameplay which consideration. Awesome. And like, and after you complete the game, they allow you to like open up the DJ thing and play whatever music you want while you're right. playing, which is really fun. Which mm-hmm. I'd rather not do. I'd rather just like let the game sort of play what's appropriate. But oh, it is okay. <laughs> Arthur hates my fun. I hate your fun, <laughs> but you bet your ass that I dressed as Mario 64 Mario. Oh, Mario 64 Mario, <laughs> Caveman Mario, Pirate Mario. I was all the Marios. Uh, and Samurai Mario to and go Samurai to Mario another well. selection, which was submitted by Tom Taylorson, a listener of the show, uh, who also happens to be the ma- main male voice actor for Mass Effect Andromeda. Hi, Tom. Uh, he suggested the Bowser's Castle theme which is a really interesting kind of departure for that series.
So we talked a little about like Orientalism and sort of Asian derivation, but like that is a level that is very Japanese. Yes. Yeah. Like I, feudal Japan. I just think I remember calling it out and being like, hey, look at this. This is like the level looks. It was the first time I seen a Nintendo game where I was like, this is a game made in Japan. Yeah. Like it is Japanese. And it's, it's so easy to forget that. Like when I first played it and saw it, I'm like, is this race? No, they're Japanese. <laughs> what am I thinking? Yeah. It, because it's, it just never does that. It's never nope. a game that feels like like historically Japanese that way. Well, they've never presented Bowser as like a, 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 like a shogun award. or something. Yeah. yeah. But I also think the the way that each theme for each world is represented is like very much in that in that way, including a like a jazz band that has full lyrics, which is probably the most surprising thing in that game. Right. Jump up in the air, jump without a chance. 
so yeah, I, I, it's interesting. It's it's not a game where I feel like I guess Jump Up Superstar is like the theme right. of that game, which is kind of obnoxious because man, I cannot handle those lyrics more than once or twice. <laughs> uh, but even as a Mario game without a distinctive theme, and I think actually no Mario game has had like a really distinctive theme in a long time. It does feel like it has distinctive music. Yep. Um, and to sort of close out the night with our final full selection, another game that has a very distinctive theme as well as sort of going back to its sort of history is Assassin's Creed Origins. Assassin's Creed would agree with the statement that Assassin's Creed's music kind of peaked with Assassin's Creed 2. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's Jes- <laughs> Jesper, Jesper Kidd. Okay. Jesper Kidd, yep. who also did the Hitman games until he stopped, which was a sad day. Uh, <laughs> and it was the it was the kind of thing where in Assassin's Creed 2, you're running around in Ezio, and every now and then, like, you'd stop, look at the sunset, and just be like, this music is amazing. Yeah. I And 
this is the best soundtrack an Assassin's Creed game has had since Assassin's Creed 2, which oh, is not down. it's it's not the shit on the other games because Syndicate, which I've no, been replaying, actually has quite a good like very Victorian Dickensian soundtrack. Oh nice, I haven't played Syndicate. But I feel like Origins doesn't feel simultaneously takes influence from its time period while not feeling beholden to it right overly and is really good for it uh arguably the the first time really since jesper kid left the series yeah um and it's it's interesting that just like every other assassin's creed game there are sort of named tracks on the soundtrack is like a sort of good example of a a piece of music that establishes that these are musical elements of the soundtrack that are this character like that this character has music in this game expect to expect to hear these elements repeated in different ways in ways to surprise you and also to sort of like reiterate emotional beats in a way that is very successful and that's not surprising because origin's story is emotionally successful in a way that assassin's creed games have not been in quite some time well, I would I would say that the I would say that it's uh, emotionally successful in ways that like only part only parts of other Assassin's Creed games have been.
But then, of course, you know they uh, they also cheated by just redoing the Ezio thing. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, today they they pretty much cheated because that gets at least to the three of our like hearts. Like we're like <laughs> God, yes, but it it's it does its own thing. Yeah, it's I and in the game when you hear it, it doesn't like it is a very emotional moment when you see that stuff, um, and it really drags out the reveal of that cue. Like it doesn't like just go straight to the Ezio's family cue and go like, that's right. The assassins, uh, because that's like a big question mark in that game. Well, yeah. When you were playing the track again today and I was like, I was like, oh, I don't remember this track. And then it got to that part and I was, cause it took a while, like you said, to get to that cue. And I was like, oh, okay. I know this song. Right. And it feels referential and, and, but not necessarily derivative. I don't know. It just, it really successfully plagiarizes itself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to make you feel something and only slightly like it's cheating to make you feel something. Right. It's like painting a really, really great watercolor painting uh, based off of an oil painting. Or like an oil painting with a masterwork framed in the background <laughs> right. behind the subject of your oil painting. <laughs> right. So you know that they're, you're drawing this connection. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an excellent soundtrack to a very good game. Yeah. 
but uh, that's that's our list. That is our list. That is not all the good game music that came out this year. No, there are lots of games. Nor is it indicative of all the good games. There yeah. are plenty no. of good games that just maybe we didn't necessarily play or hear music that we thought was like distinctive or worth taking right. another four or four hours of our life to put in the show. And and some stuff, it's just really hard to find the music that people liked. Uh, SteamWorld Dig 2 being a, a sort of really quintessential example of that. So. Yeah. Uh, well, I the I want to make a special shout out to uh, my personal game of the year, which is Hellblade: Sinner with Sacrifice. And there's one piece of music on that that you should just go and listen to. It's uh, the track's just called Psych, and uh, that will give you the entire flavor of that game in one song. Which is saying something. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be our last episode of the year. I think it might. Also, while we're throwing out quick shout outs, shout out to the Turing Test. That is a game that I have. Also, January 2017. Also, excellent music. Been Did that come out fan. this year? It was this year. Yeah, I just checked. Me and my me and my fiance that's you squeaked like, it in. I've been playing that, and my fiance <laughs> likes to watch sometimes. But the music, she's like, this music is really good. She's mm. just like jamming out, doing art to it, and so <laughs> yeah, I just checked. That was this year. Yeah, this year, man, for the forever year. This is the forever yeah, year. Yeah, this was yeah. this year was 300 years long. Yep. You'll hear this podcast, and there will still be 18 <laughs> months left. Yeah. <laughs> But you'll, it'll be the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. You'll see. Uh, but yeah, this this may be our last episode of the year. I think so. Yeah. Probably. Probably um, going on vacation and other stuff. Yeah. Other things. Matt is shipping off to the Great White West. North. The Great White North. Is the Mont- Ish. It's the more Mont- north than, than, yeah. What? To the Mont's, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. To the mountains. Yep. I will be eating burritos in San Diego for a short time. I'll that be is in the Central direction. California eating Woo. tamales and whatever else that sounds fantastic so yeah yeah i can't complain about that yeah uh but on that note uh ideally you're hearing this on or before christmas if (laughs) i get my shit together enough to edit it so merry christmas if you celebrate it happy hanukkah if you celebrated it and it just went by uh i'm unfamiliar with kwanzaa's timing but i'm pretty sure that that happened already Mm. but uh well thank you arthur for doing the editing on this shit yep yeah You too, James. Let's try to make 2018 better than this thing. Yeah. Only way to go is up. Not Mm. true. (laughs) God damn it. We don't know where the floor is. Yeah, I don't know that we've seen (laughs) the floor yet. Stop destroying my self-illusions. Oh, man. We're not the one doing it. It's some (laughs) other guy. Uh, We only have to try and shoot a few people, and we'll do a lot better than we did this last year. So how about that? You mean shoot fewer people? No, I'm just saying if we only shot a few people, that would be an amazing improvement. Like that, you know, we could still shoot a few people and still do well. That's how sad it is. So <laughs> that's how fucked up this world is. He's referring to is. mass shootings, not to other things. FBI people that might be listening. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. I didn't even think about it that Yeah. <laughs> he was not saying that all it would take is a few well-placed murders. <laughs> I, was saying, I was saying that murders happen so much that a few would be an improvement. He's that's referring to the fact that 500 people were shot in Las Vegas and nobody did anything. So... So, happy holidays. (laughs) We love you from Rebel FM to you and yours. And we will see you in 2018. Goodbye, everybody.